Hello, and welcome to Anime Audio Commentary. Today I'll be commenting on episode 35 of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. If you'd like to watch along, then start watching now. So last we left off, things were getting a bit interesting in that Sloth had shown up inside Fort Briggs and the Elric brothers were being a little bit evasive about giving answers. You know, somewhat understandably, but at the same time, they're not ingratiating themselves with their new hosts. You know, I guess it's pretty understandable that Buccaneers effectively holding the Elric brothers at gunpoint and saying, you know, hey, if we're going to immolate this thing, you guys are carrying the gasoline. I do like this rather unconventional use of tanks in that, you know, if tank shells don't work to kill this thing, then they might as well use it as a big battering ram to shunt it into the elevator. Now that said, Sloth is nothing if not prodigiously strong. Although I have to say, I really appreciate how the Major General is leading from the front in her own personal tank. I think that really speaks to her character, that she's not asking anyone else to do anything that she herself is not willing to do first. So if nothing else, they seem to have managed to buy a bit of time, you know, forcing Sloth into more confined quarters rather than like the big motor pool. So good news, they've managed to slather him in gasoline, but whether or not it's going to be a permanent solution to this problem is yet to be seen. Man, Armstrong's really not messing around, you know, she brought the tank down into the elevator. 
You know, once again, we get this demonstration that tank shells really don't do too much. They just sort of, um, kind of bounce off of sloth. So, you know, maybe I'd miss something. You know, this doesn't really look like setting him on fire. But it seems like... They're basically hoping um, the winter weather will uh, do the heavy lifting for them. You know, Buckner even explains the science. The gasoline will vaporize, even in this cold weather, and in doing so, to leach heat from his body, causing him to freeze. And, you know, indeed, it does seem to be working. You know, he's freezing like solid. You can even see the skin starting to discolor. I'd imagine that's representative of some pretty bad frostbite. So the real question now is whether or not this is going to be a permanent fix to the problem. You know, if he's like freezing solid, I highly doubt he's going to start getting right back up. But given his inhuman physiology, he might eventually be able to sort of shrug off the effects of the cold. So perhaps understandably, Armstrong, being the pragmatic general she is, has decided to toss the Elric brothers in the brig. Because, you know, they ultimately only helped under duress. That's highly suspicious, if nothing else. I mean, I guess, from her position, you know, if they're being sneaky and evasive about providing answers, you know, what else can you really do? Alright, so the plot's getting a little bit thicker, too. Fort Briggs has sent an away party to investigate the hole that Sloth had emerged from. So if he was digging that tunnel, you know, surely it's got some sort of purpose, and in all likelihood it's not going to be a good one. Although I feel like if anybody is qualified to sort of delve into that tunnel, it would probably be the troopers at Fort Briggs. Alright, now this is an interesting little development. Miles here, I believe he was a major, is, uh... Debriefing Kimberly, I guess you'd say? You know, in a weird sort of way, their goals seem to have aligned here in that they're both after Scar. You know, I feel like that's, uh, that's a pretty effective veiled threat on the part of the Major. I'd imagine he has a fair bit of umbrage against Kimberly being the killer that he is, but at the same time he doesn't have the luxury to openly threaten him. Or at least openly threaten him beyond saying, you know, if you get in our way, it's not gonna go well for you.
So once again, we have General Raven. And as we already know, you know, this guy is all in on the idea of whatever the military is getting up to in a bad way. So his presence certainly doesn't bode well, especially if he's intent on heading to Briggs. So this is a bit interesting. We're getting a little lesson on alkahestry and how it essentially uses like the natural energy of, well, nature, I guess. And it makes sense in a way, you know, a moving river has kinetic energy. So it's, it's not quite clear how alkahestry is different from alchemy in that they both seem to be using the same sort of innate energy. It seems for one reason or another, uh, the practitioners of Alkahestry have learned to bypass what would otherwise be a big stumbling block for the alchemists of Amestris. So here's the fundamental difference. Alchemists use sort of... Um, like tectonic motion to provide energy. So this is where the plot gets really thick here, because, you know, Mei Chang, being in tune as she is, you know, she can feel that there's energy, but it doesn't feel like the energy that they describe it to be. So, you know, perhaps that plays a part in this whole conspiracy that's going on. So now we get down to the tunnel. It's so big that it can fit a platoon, and... If I remember correctly, a platoon is like... 40 to 50 soldiers, so, you know... That's, uh, pretty sizable. You know, General Armstrong is considered it practical to have horses to try and figure out what's going down here. Uh-oh. Oh, dear. Izumi wasn't exaggerating in the slightest. You know, she managed to bedevil the soldiers at Briggs for an entire month in the desolate hellscape of winter. That just makes her even more scary. You know, I wonder how she and General Armstrong would get along. I feel like they'd either hate each other or they'd be way too similar and they'd get along.
So, despite everything that's going on, General Armstrong is being somewhat reasonable here. You know, she's still making them tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. But she's found a very secluded space to do so, because she recognizes that they denied answering her a question at great personal danger, and they wouldn't have done so lightly. So, you know, despite how stern and gruff she is, General Armstrong is both reasonable and honorable, and I think that's highly commendable, especially considering the amount of corruption we know there to be in the Amestrian military. Oh dear. So it seems like Colonel Mustang isn't the only one with ambition. General Armstrong also has her eyes set on getting a promotion. But it seems like she's willing to ally with him, given that he's not aligned with monsters. Oh dear. So Edward's actually going to spell it out for everyone. You know, there's a big circle around Amestris, and now we're marking all the points on the map where there was big political goings-on with, uh, with bloodshed, you know. Wouldn't it be interesting if this all formed an alchemical pattern? So a lot of these incidents that are being described just seem like they could be part of history and excused as such, but, you know, given what we know, it really paints a scary picture in that none of these seem to have been accidents. You know, even worse, uh, the Elric brothers are learning for the first time that things have sort of gone to hell in Lior again after they left. It's rather unfortunate considering they had sort of left thinking they put a nice bow on everything. Man, you know it's bad when even General Armstrong is disquieted by this revelation. In no small part because it's very similar to the circle from the fifth laboratory, which was used to create Philosopher's Stones. So, you know, at this point, there can really be no doubt. The homunculi seek to essentially destroy the entire country and make it into one big Philosopher's Stone. You know, that's uh, definitely no good for the residents. You know, I'd imagine it would be quite fatal. 
So I feel like Dr. Marco's looking a little too deeply into this. You know, why would somebody want to wipe out entire country to make a Philosopher's Stone? Well, I would say the simple answer is they want to live for as long as the entire country's citizens' lifespans will allow. I mean, you know, that's not an especially complicated answer, and it's not especially nuanced either, but I feel like that would be the first and most obvious assumption. I mean, when you get down to it, isn't immortality sort of something everyone kind of wants at one point? You know, when they really think about it, it's like, boy, I don't want to get old. Wouldn't it be nice if I could live forever? You know, I feel like everybody thinks along those lines at least a little bit. And, you know, as far as I know, it's not really a practical thing to do in life. Man. So it seems like everybody's finally up to speed now. Amestris was made for this very purpose. And that... Edward is, I guess, kind of assuming that... Maybe Hughes had figured this out. And perhaps even, uh... The freezing alchemist, Isaac McDougall, I believe his name was... Was sort of uh, privy to this too, hence why he snapped... You know, in retrospect, he really did nothing wrong, except for not spelling out why he was doing what he was doing. Uh-oh. I feel like uh, the general has... Um, she said something she probably shouldn't have voiced out loud, that, you know, if this is all true, then Briggs is the next target. You know, I feel like that's tempting fate. Of course, if they are going to attack Fort Briggs, nobody is better suited to defending it than General Armstrong, I'd imagine. You know, especially if she knows what's going on. I'd imagine she's not going to fall for any lies they would tell her, and in fact, she might even be willing to make the first strike. More to her credit, honestly. Oh dear. So General Raven is sort of uh, tacitly instructing the Major to escort Kimberly around the base, give him a look around. That's only going to end poorly. Oh dear. So it's nice that General Armstrong is going along with this whole proposal that she tries to get a bit of information out of the traitor. You know, she's sort of playing stupid about the true nature of sloth. 
in hopes that General Raven will drop a bit of information. So it seems to me that the ploy here is that you get General Raven to admit to uh, heinous knowledge, for want of a better term. You know, if he sort of lets slip that he knows what's going on, then that would prove everything the Elric brothers have said as true. And would, uh, I'd imagine, really galvanize General Armstrong. You know, not that she's already not supporting the Elric brothers, but... You know, indisputable proof is, uh, certainly better. Man, you know, I wonder if General Armstrong is doing this for fun, or if she's, like, playing a bit here, pretending to be, like, a more stereotypical woman. You know, she's even kind of, like, laying it on a bit thick. You know, I'm starting to get old. I'm not married. I don't have any kids. You know, wouldn't immortality be nice? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You know, I feel like she's not being particularly subtle here. But it seems to be working. You know, General Raven's gonna start giving that spiel. You know, wouldn't you like to be immortal? It's possible. You just have to become evil. So, the selling point is a legion of immortal soldiers, but that really seems like... kind of a bad idea. You know, soldiers are meant for war, and if they don't go away, then... I doubt they're just gonna want to sit idle.
Alright, well that's it for this episode. If you've enjoyed it, then by all means, tune in for the next one. See you, Space Cowboy.